We are here to provide an informative and entertaining method to reach out to our community of Spruce Grove. Our goal is to build connections within our society. If you have any questions or concerns about anything you hear on this podcast, you can email us at sgplpodcast at yrl.ab.ca. Today's episode, we will be discussing the show The Crown. As an ode to Queen Elizabeth, I will attempt to do our intro dialogue in her voice. Welcome everyone to Behind the Sticks. First and foremost, we are a podcast geared for adults to share our world with you. We will cover many topics and of course, showcase our amazing collection at the Spruce Grove Public Library. Hi Courtney. How's it going? We're here. How do we beat that intro? I don't know. Thank you for coming by, Queen Elizabeth. There's so much to do, but she had the time to come and visit us. It's amazing. Oh my goodness. We're in a bit of a silly mood. Yes, we are. So it's end of the week, so we're just in a giggly kind of mood. Having some fun. That's right. So let's continue our fun and get right into our next segment called... What's she reading? Or watching. Or listening. Or playing. For this episode, I am happy to say that I am reading a book. Yay! (laughs) It's called Smoking Kills by Antoine Lorraine. I think I'm saying that right. And it's translated from uh, a French book. And I'll read you the synopsis. How far would you go to enjoy a cigarette? When headhunter Fabrice Valentine faces a smoking ban at work, decides to undertake a course of hypnotherapy to rid himself of the habit. At first, the treatment works, but his stress levels begin to rise when he is passed over for an important promotion and he finds himself lighting up again. But with none of his previous enjoyment, then he decides discovers something terrible. He accidentally causes a man's death, and needing a cigarette to calm his nerves, he enjoys it more than any other previous smoke. What if he now needs to kill someone every time he wants to properly appreciate his next Benson and Hedges? So, I'm about halfway through it, and I really love it. Really funny, very witty, kind of jumps back between before he began smoking, and when he began, and now. I haven't gotten to a part where he's killed anyone yet, so I'm very interested to see what he's like once he's done that because he's already quite eccentric and a huge fan of cigarettes. It was recommended to me by one of our past guests on this show, Chelsea. I read it on the bus to work, I read it on my break, bus home and before bed. So I'm sure I'll be done with it pretty soon. For TV, I have been watching The Crown season four. I have watched the previous ones, but this is my favourite season by far because it goes into Margaret Thatcher being Prime Minister during the 80s. And I was just a little kid when she became Prime Minister. I was two when she first got elected and I just remember her having this booming voice and this really big hair that didn't move and I found her quite scary. I grew up in uh, a working class family so we weren't really fans of Thatcher. She stopped the milk program that we had at school where we'd all get a little uh, box of milk every day and I used to be the one handing it out and when I found out that Margaret Thatcher had stopped that I was very mad. The show itself, (laughs) The Crown, it's really good. I'm sure most of it is fictional but it's, it's a riveting show. The actress who plays the Queen is fantastic. She's firm and eloquent but also quite sympathetic. It's also going into when Charles met Diana. Again, as a kid seeing their marriage, I thought it was just this like fairy tale princess, the 
day of her wedding, I was just, I remember sitting in front of the TV with my snacks and just being like, wow, seeing how actually unhappy it was. As an adult, it's made me have a lot of sympathy for Diana. I, I always liked her. I always thought she was very kind and she cared a lot about the people. This puts uh, even more of a perspective on who she was and what she went through. And it's quite timely now with um, Harry and Meghan. I really love this show. If you haven't watched it yet, it's it's on Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, you can borrow seasons one to three from your trusty neighbourhood library. One of the things I really enjoy about the show is hearing the accents of the Queen. Prince Philip, Gillian Anderson, who plays Margaret Thatcher. That was quite surprising. I didn't know if she'd really pull it off, but I think she did. I really don't think of Agent Scully from The X-Files when I'm watching it. I'm thinking, there is Maggie Thatcher once again. And she also has a very strong, powerful voice. And uh, as you've heard at the beginning of the show, I did the intro dialogue in the impression of the Queen. So I will now do my Margaret Thatcher impression. One of her famous lines was, The lady is not returning. The lady is not not for turning. And brilliant. If you ever want to impress your friends with a queen impression, you don't have to read a lot of words. Basically, one of the things she says most often in the show is yes, but she has this wonderful way of saying it that sounds like yes. If you add Philip to that as well, yes, Philip. You can sound like the Queen in an instant. So, Courtney, I would like to invite you to take the challenge of saying yes, Philip, in the voice of the Queen. <laughs> I did practice a little bit last night, but let's see if I can actually bring it to fruition today. You can do it. Here we go. Yes, Philip. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> Yours is much better. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm sure the monarchy will be very proud of you. Yes, and if this episode doesn't go to air, it gets taken down, you all know why. Yes. <laughs> These impressions mean no disrespect to the Queen or the royal family. We just, I just love how she speaks. It's just a bit of fun. Right. Courtney. Yes. Over to you. Over to me. What have I done? What have I been doing? Yeah, I've been doing nothing. What have I done? I've done nothing. <laughs> so, typical <laughs> what I'm doing. I've been reading. Kind of my niche. Yay. Yeah. I really got to get out of there and maybe start listening and playing and watching some more. But of course, I have a book recommendation. It's called If We Were Villains by um, M.L. Rio. Why did I pick up this one? Well, of course, it was my favorite genre of dark academia. So I'm like, absolutely, this is for me. So what happens in this book? Basically, it's about a gentleman named Oliver Marks who has just served 10 years in jail for murder he may or may not have committed. So we kind of have this murder thing mm -hmm. going on here. On the day he's released, he's greeted by the man who put him in prison. Detective Colborne is retiring. Before he does, he wants wants to know what really happened a decade ago. So basically what happened was he is one of the seven young actors studying Shakespeare at an elite arts college, which this college just sounds like fabulous to me. If I remember correctly, it was very much like there's the actors group and there's the philosophy group. And then there's like the um, arts group and they're just kind of, and I just, I don't know, I kind of got all giddy. I was like, which group would I be in? <laughs> Probably not the actors. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be cool enough for that. But basically the actors would put on, obviously, Shakespearean plays, mm -hmm. and they would study, like, how to fight to make it look real and stuff like that. And they would always do a production of Macbeth for Halloween and Romeo and Juliet for Christmas, which I just thought was... <sighs> Were you a Shakespeare buff growing up? Uh, I always liked Hamlet. Oh, yes. I became more of a Shakespeare fan once Patrick Stewart became uh, captain on Star Trek The Next Generation because he would, in the first seasons, he'd throw in little bits of Shakespeare. And so I'd be like, Patrick Stewart likes Shakespeare. I need to read Shakespeare now. <laughs> So, yes, I have, I, ha I do have an appreciation for it. That's what I was saying. So we have some kind of Shakespearean fans here. Um, 
Long story short, one of the actors mysteriously ends up injured and is found dead. And of course, the detective wants to know, well, what really happened? And there, it's it's a wild college. Like, I don't think I could survive. There's like lots of drugs and alcohol and other bad things oh, <laughs> going goodness. on. But it's from the pressures, like especially the actors, because you get their perspective more than anybody else's perspective, like of just like no sleep. Lots of coffee, lots of alcohol, waking up, basically, like, hair of the dog, mm. and then going to perform. And that just sounds awful. That does sound awful. Like, very stressful. Right? And they just all kind of, like, I don't know, they're, like, they collapse. They're very close together. They're kind of like a family. And just because they're all going through this, what seems like hell to Simone and I. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just, it's kind of, like, a bit of a whodunit mystery, which I seem to really like those. <laughs> my last those. those are my things it was a shocking ending for myself you got to find out more about the characters the characters i felt were well written and developed you kind of got to see where everyone was not a terribly long read but a very good read so if you want to read something along those lines i highly recommend if we were villains our next segment is housekeeping this year i believe you mentioned in our first episode this is our 60th anniversary so the library has planned it's almost every month something kind of special and exciting to celebrate our 60th anniversary. For the month of March, we have Get Smart Auction, but it's very clever because the smart, the A-R-T, is like art. It is an auction for two beautiful pieces of art generously donated by local artist Ashley McIsaac, who also has a website, ashleymcisaac.com. Money raised from this auction will help raise funds for Spruce Grove Public Library's Plan of Service goal to encourage literacy so that community members of all ages have programs and services that provide opportunity for lifelong learning starting at birth. Right now, we have raised $220. Our goal is $1,000. For more information, you can visit our website, sgpl.ca, and right at the top of the main screen is a red banner saying, SGPL is celebrating 60 years of community service. And there is a link to our 60th anniversary page, which will give you information on this auction, a lot of other exciting things we have coming up, and we will be mentioning those in future shows. So stay tuned. All right, next we have the virtual community blanket exercise. So we had, oh man, before COVID, we actually had one in person. This one's going to be virtual. Um, It is with Kairos again. So it's an experience that traces the history of Indigenous people in Canada for the past 500 years. So you can participate in this virtual workshop to become more aware of the shared history in Canada. It is free, recommended for ages 18 plus because the content is a little um, heavy. So once again, that's Tuesday, April 6th from 1 to 4 p.m. online via Zoom. And it's free. Space is limited. You can register on our website. We have a banner on our carousel. Register there. And then links will be sent out about a week prior to the virtual event. This event is also partnered with our Spruce Grove FCSS. Next up, we want to hear from you. Yes, you, our faithful listeners. We are conducting a program survey. Have you participated in one of our online library programs? Coffee and Crib, Write On, Story Times, this podcast. Have you written us an email telling us what you think of our podcast? You have wonderful ideas or you're just, oh my goodness, you two, what on earth are you talking about? That is participation. So on our website, once again, sgpl.ca, we have a survey that we would love for you to fill out. It's very brief and it includes questions. Do you feel knowledgeable about using digital resources? 
Are you aware of resources and services provided by the library? What you liked most about a programme and what we could do to improve? We want all your feedback, whether you're singing our praises or saying, you know what, I didn't like this and here's why. All of it's valuable. It helps us to create the best high quality programmes for all the community. So please take the time to fill that in. We really appreciate your feedback. And lastly, we have a virtual comic book writing workshop. Sarah has done an excellent job and uh, curated that for our valuable uh, community. So this workshop's theme is crafting a story. So what makes a story? This class teaches students a simple but highly effective formula for creating compelling stories. Students will break down the formula together as a class to see how the formula is used in our favorite stories to hook the reader. So if that sounds like something you would like, head on to our website, sgpl.ca. We're really mentioning all of our lovely banners here. Um, you can register by clicking the banner there, uh, fill out the information. It's just free, space is limited, and for ages 8 to 12, so that's about grade 3 plus. On Saturday, April 10th from 2 to 3 p.m. And that is it for our housekeeping. Now moving on to what is happening in Spruce Grove. FCSS has some adult programs that are available to our community. Things like managing stress bottom up and top down, uh, navigating through times of change and loss, and connection-based wellness. So these are all virtual. I believe they are all free. You just have to register on their website. And for more information, you can email fcss at sprucegrove.org or call 780-962-7618 or visit sprucegrove.org slash fcss programs. Those are very tough timely uh, programs to be having because we're still going through so much change. COVID is still with us. It's like that guest who just won't leave. Hey, maybe you should go now. Like, oh, no, no, I'll stay for a little bit longer. Thanks. I hate those people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. That's, that's how I imagine COVID would be. <laughs> now, some very exciting news about one of our favorite libraries here in Trap. The new Stony Plain Public Library is open! <laughs> If you visit their website, mysppl.ca, there is an image of the new library from the outside and it looks stunning. And it says, we are ready to let you in the new library. Masks are mandatory with social distancing required. If the doors are locked, we are at capacity. Please wait and we will let you in as soon as we are able. Let us know what it's like because we haven't had a chance to go there yet. If you could send us an email at sgplpodcast at yrl.ab.ca and give us a little review, a little guide of what the new library is like that we can share with our listeners, that would be wonderful. And currently, you can place holds online. You can request objects for 3D printing, which is awesome, as unfortunately, we no longer offer 3D printing to the public. Stony Plain is the place to go for all your 3D print needs. And of course, you can use their e-resources that are available 24-7. And if you have any other questions you can call them at 780-963-5440 and mark if you're listening to this maybe you can hook some girls up and we can go and check out your brand new library yes we would love to maybe do an episode from the stony plain public library just saying thanks mark Speaking of new things and awesome things, mm -hmm. there's a new podcast on the horizon. There is? There is. It's called Small Town Banter Podcast. It's done by the Parkland County Libraries with hosts Brittany and Lorena, now 
Brittany may sound like a familiar name to our listeners. Why is that, Simone? Because Brittany was a guest on our episode all about Neil Gaiman. Exactly. So she has her own podcast now. So once again, Small Town Banter is designed to connect you with your community from the comfort of your home. Stay tuned for special guests. Which you know what that means, Simone. Yes. That's an invitation right there. Well, it really is. <laughs> so basically they're saying that uh, in a future episode, we will be special guests on there. That's so. right. That's exactly how I read that was we invited ourselves over. <laughs> yeah. Be special guests. If you read between the lines, then behind the stacks will at some point be a special guest on Small Town Banter. Of course, vice versa. We would love to have Brittany and Lorena as guests on this show. Absolutely. So you can listen to all their amazing episodes on their website, pclibraries.ca, or of course, Spotify, or however you get your awesome podcasts. So once you've finished listening to us, you should head straight on and start following Small Town Banter. We've listened to a couple of episodes. We have, and they are hilarious. They are hilarious. The girls do an amazing job. If you have any questions, comments, or episode ideas for their show, you can email them at podcasts at pclibraries.ca. Send us an email and send them an email. Next up, the city responds to Parkland School Division discussions on future of high school, including Horizon Stage. So earlier this month, the city learned of discussions by the Parkland School Division of Trustees related to the future of Spruce Grove Composite High, which is currently home to Horizon Stage. There was a meeting on March 2nd discussing the modernization or replacement of Spruce Grove Composite High as part of their three-year capital plan. And there are concerns as to what this could mean for the future of Horizon Stage. So it looks like there have been quite a few discussions. Horizon Stage has been closed to the public since March 2020 due to COVID related provincial restrictions, public health orders related to indoor gatherings and gathering sizes. I'm just going to sprinkle in some fairy dust here, throw in that old two cents. Let's just put this wonderful thought out here because I had heard wonderful suggestion, of course, from a fabulous director about what if this is going in that what if world, you know, the, we got a nice fabulous space that was sparkly that could house Horizon Stage and maybe invite in over some folks from the library and then maybe even bring over some folks from the art gallery and we just had this cultural hub of art theater education and learning and i heard that idea and i of course my eyes were just like yeah (laughs) please little hearts appear in your eyes yes so i think if they were really struggling with ideas on what we could do to keep the horizon stage that would be a lovely suggestion so we're just putting it out there onto the air and if you have other thoughts about what we could do for our fabulous community please email us at sgplpodcast at yrl.ab.ca and let us know your two cents your sprinkle of fairy dust your thoughts and feelings okay i put this here because i'm going to this and i'm such a dork (laughs) I thought the community should know. I want this. I want to go to this bed. And I saw your Starry Night. I think you have a mask. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, (laughs) this needs to be known. Mm -hmm. But basically it's Van Gogh's art that like light projected on like walls and stuff. Oh wow. And then you walk through it. Everyone has to know. I'm going to this. And I think it's just the most creative fun thing. And I think I'm just starving for some fun because COVID has shut down so many fun things like concerts Mm -hmm. and exhibits, art and museum. And I just, I couldn't help myself. But in Edmonton, if you're traveling that way, they have a new exhibit called Imagine Van Gogh. Basically it is, so what is Imagine Van Gogh? It's an exhibition where one can admire the starry night sky. I 
irises and sunflowers, and it's an experience that brings viewers to the heart of his images. Yeah, so excited. I am so excited. Are you a Van Gogh enthusiast? I love Van Gogh. Uh, in our household, we will definitely be going to this because we're all fans. And like you said, Courtney, it's so exciting and refreshing after so many things have been closed down due to COVID. We've been starved for this kind of culture and entertainment. I certainly, certainly have. So I saw this on my Instagram feed and I was like, yes, where is it? When is it? How much is it? I'm going. <laughs> it didn't even really care much about that at that mm-hmm. point. I'm just like, I'm going to this. So if you want to learn more about this exhibition, you can search imagine-vangogh.com. You can buy tickets there. You can learn more information. You can learn about the creators and awesome stuff. Imagine Van Gogh is also accompanied by the music of the great composers, including Mozart and Bach. And it looks like, you know, it's nice and safe. Like, you just look, you don't know, touching. Mm-hmm. They got all the social distance measures in place. And you just go into the world of yep. Van Gogh. Yep, huge and colourful. If you yourself would like to write us an email, then please drop us a line at sgplpodcast at yrl.ab.ca. Another <clears throat> fantastic thing that's been happening this month, because I don't know, I feel like M- March has just been jam-packed full of stuff. Mm-hmm. Stay Home Rymo was another kind of special event that happened towards the end of March, and we celebrated it a little bit here at SGPL. Uh, we had a virtual workshop by the wonderful Peter Migley. He came in and did the workshop. It was wonderful. I know uh, most of our community enjoyed that and even Leanne our director was able to attend and she oh wonderful it. yeah she loved it he was good he was he kind of uh, works off the concepts of Brene Brown and like try not to be a perfect writer like just get your stuff out there and yeah I think that's something that holds so many people back I know it does for me how's this gonna sound but then you think well just get it out there I and mean, you've got all this stuff to express it doesn't have to be perfect that's what editors are for if you want to um, go further with it or it can just be something that you that you keep close to your heart just get creative Exactly. I think I saw a quote of something along the lines of like, you can edit bad words, but you can't edit no words. So you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you you can fix it. If it's not what you want or where you're going, you can fix it. But if you just sit there like me and don't write anything, (laughs) you can't fix it. So with that, we have an amazing interview with one of our local writers, Rick Lorber. Now, before we start, I'll just give you a bit of information about Rick. He is a local freelance writer, a twice selected story contributor to Chicken Soup for the Soul and author of two caregiving guidebooks, Caregiver's Guide for Canadians and the Successful Caregiver's Guide. Rick's preferred topic of choice of caregiving for seniors is based on his own years, helping and supporting both of his aging parents. From this experience, Rick learned caregiving can impact a person physically, mentally, emotionally and financially and managed his own health and well-being by writing. Rick continues to reach out to prospective new and current caregivers to teach, counsel and support them. He has presented webinars, helped to develop a provincial caregiver's toolkit, served on the board of directors for Caregivers Alberta on a voluntary basis, and continued to write for printed and online publications. You can learn more about Rick and connect with him via ricklauber.com. That's R-I-C-K-L-A-U-B-E-R.com. And we are delighted and very excited to welcome him as a guest on our show. When did you realize you wanted to be a writer? I would call myself a late bloomer with writing. I think I always have enjoyed writing for as long as I recall. Back in junior high, I mean, I used to enjoy writing English essays, for example. There's been work opportunities that have come down the pipe for me uh, over the years that I've I've used writing, whether that's radio, whether that's marketing, even some customer service positions. I've I've written some papers and reports. I've enjoyed that. I've you know I've been told I've been good at it as well. But I I really didn't take it seriously till I would say. 
say maybe 15, 17 years ago, you know, I was, I was working part-time at the time and, and I just, I happened to stop into Grant McEwen University, Grant McEwen College at that time, but now it's Grant McEwen University, just to see what they offered for maybe some continuing education courses, that type of thing. They had a sign up for a professional writing program. That was a new offering for them. And, and I almost thought it was kind of a sign that I saw this notice and their meeting, their informational meeting was actually held that night, that evening. So, you know, I hung around the university and attended the meeting. I, I liked what I heard and, and ended up registering the program. That led to two years worth of the study, which was actually closer to four years because I was going at it part-time. Got my diploma in the professional writing program. And, and uh, you know, one thing led to another and I am where I am today because of it. Wow, it kind of sounded like destiny almost. <laughs> well, almost, almost. How long does it take you to write a book? It uh, it depends on the circumstances. For me, it, it took me about six months. You know, I was facing a very tight deadline from my publisher. I had a lot of content, that pre-existing content, you know, so that really, really helped me. It can take much, much longer to publish a book, uh, years to publish a book. And that's, that's regrettable. It depends on what you have to begin with going into it. It depends what you need uh, in, in order to create that book. You know, if you've got to do extensive research, for example, or, you know, or traveling to a, a distant location to, to get the feel of, a, of the place that you want to write about, you know, you may not have that time available immediately. So, you know, it can take a certain amount of time. It can take years. Basically, if you've got a site deadline, that's a good inspiration, a good motivation for, for writing it quicker. How did yes. your book publish? Looking through the writer's market, both the U.S. Uh, book and the Canadian book, both of them have their publishers, their list of publishers and, and you know, contact information and, and what these publishers are looking for. You know, I listed off a few publishers that were were of interest or possible uh, to to look into, looked at them each online. I I visited their websites, you know, took a look at the writing guidelines, submitting guidelines. They will have, you know, what they're looking for exactly with, you know, certain book angles, what they're looking for with a pitch. I chose a publisher, uh, actually one I was familiar with as well. I, like I said, I I read up on their submission guidelines. I, I put together the proposal. They, they wanted basically everything but the kitchen sink uh, with that, including, uh, you know, my own writing experience, my reason for wanting to write the book, my intended audience, my competition, you know, my ideas to promote the book once it got out, because they're not going to do it all themselves. They want a, an author that is active in participating in promotion. They wanted references. And so they wanted a chapter outline, et cetera, et cetera. Put this together, you know, took me some time because I was dithering and I was, I was worried about putting it together and making a positive first impression. And uh, it admittedly sat on my desktop for far too long uh, until I got the confidence to send it. Finally, I realized it's not going to go anywhere if I don't push it out. And so, you know, I, I sent it out and shortly thereafter, I, I heard back from them and they said, yeah, this is exactly what we're looking for. Uh, we'd like to offer you a contract. Oh, wonderful. So where do you get your information or ideas for writing? Personal experience, I think first and foremost, our writers are always encouraged to write about what they know. You know, that makes a great deal of sense because, you know, what you know is what you're passionate about and what you have the most knowledge about, right? For me, my subject matter uh, expertise is in caregiving for seniors. I was a caregiver for both my parents back when they were alive and faced a steep learning curve. I I mean, there was a lot to learn there and a lot to uh, handle. I certainly share a lot of those stories with what I've, what I've written and what I continue to write. Another means, uh, another way I find out 
ideas or get ideas is to watch the current news, specifically with senior caregiving. I mean, there's a lot of headlines out there that, that are making the news these days, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, uh, you know, long-term care homes and their restrictions with COVID-19 and, and family visitor, family caregivers can't visit. There's a lot of ammunition there that uh, could make for good stories for me. You know, I could write about managing COVID caregiving simultaneously. I could write about, you know, how to deal with not being able to visit your loved one in a care home. I could talk about what care homes are doing to help isolated seniors and so on and so on. You know, so that's another angle. I, I could also see what other writers are writing about my particular area and kind of borrow and uh, borrow those ideas as well. So what kind of advice would you have for writers? First thing that comes to mind is do it. Don't, don't sit on your hands. If you want to write, write. You know, you'll never know where you'll end up if you don't do it. You know, give it respect. Treat your writing with respect and I think it will respect you in return. Have to be serious with it. That means giving it some dedicated time during the day, being religious with writing every day or writing regularly. I don't think you have to write at the same hour every day, but at least give it, you know, if you're going to give it a couple hours every day, give it a couple hours every day. Understand that your writing takes time, takes energy. Don't give away your writing. I think you can do that in the beginning. I remember doing that myself as just a means of getting experience, getting those, getting those tear sheets, getting those uh, writing samples, which were valuable to me. Um, but don't don't continue to write for free because you're not doing anybody any favors. I guess another thing I could think about is understand that not everybody is going to love your work. You know, you may love your work and you may think it's perfect because you've written it, but you know, everybody has different tastes, and uh, you know, not everybody is going to appreciate or or acknowledge uh, the fact that you're or agree with what you've written but what is your work schedule like when you're writing do you write the same time every day or <laughs> far from it um i i normally i'm no night owl i i can't burn the midnight oil at all just i fall asleep at like 10 o'clock in the evening if not earlier you know maybe that's age <laughs> too but uh so i get up i'm up in the morning um usually probably no later than seven and i will do my writing in the morning you know that's when i'm most awake uh that's when i'm most alert you know usually it's quieter around the house when that that hour too so so i'll give it you know i, I can give it three hours of pretty dedicated work and pretty dedicated focus. Maybe a little bit more so now with COVID. Uh, you know, there's a lot of time being spent at home and, you know, more time I could write, but I guess that's my choice. Absolutely. So what are some common traps for aspiring writers? I suggested writing for free. It's a means of getting experience and getting tear sheet. I would say don't get trapped into writing for free forever. People will gladly have a writer write for free and submit the story for free. But as I said, uh, you know, your writing takes time. It takes energy. And you deserve, a writer deserves to be rewarded for that and compensated for that. Don't write for free forever. I mean, I will still write for free occasionally if, if there's, a, say, a new editor, if I'm trying to establish a relationship relationship with him or her, if I'm looking at maybe getting into opening a door to a new market, for example, you know, I will offer two articles for free. I, I mean, I've done that recently with a website. I've written three stories for free now and loudly hinting that, uh, you know, maybe we should discuss, uh, you know, financial compensation for this. And if that comes about, that's great. Maybe not getting advice. Be another trap that writers can fall into. They may think that, uh, you know, what I've written is perfect, but it's not. You know, I always value an extra set of eyes. Um, editors are out there for a good reason. 
important. They do excellent work. Their job is to help the writer look better with what they've written. And so together you can create pretty pretty stunning copy. So yeah, those are a couple things off the top of my head I can think of is, is not writing for free forever. Next, if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Don't delay. As I said, I'm I'm a late bloomer. Um, have my regrets about waiting this long, as long as I did, you know, to explore writing more seriously. The signs were there when I was younger, just didn't pay attention to them. And, you know, so if I could have started earlier, then I think I may be further along with where, where I am right now. But that would be my advice yeah, to myself. Excellent. Okay, what's the best way to market your books? I think there are many, many ways to market a book. I think you can completely rely on selling a book off a bookstore shelf. An author has to be actively involved in his or her own promotion. Firm believer that an author is his or her best salesperson. For me personally, I found... You know, I found that personal selling works best for me, you know, like those specifically uh, pre-COVID, I used to love going to, to bookstores for bookstore signing. Those were great opportunities for me. I would physically meet, I would personally meet people that came into the bookstore, you know, and I'd, I'd hear stories from, from new and current caregivers, make my toes girl. I mean, you know, it was amazing what I heard, but it was just an opportunity for these customers to put a face to the name, which I think they appreciated. It gave me an opportunity to to, to talk about my own experience, to share my own experience, to sympathize and empathize with them, which I think they appreciated. And, you know, just to put that face to the name. Like I said, there are other ways to, to market. I mean, I've started exploring the world of webinars, doing that. I do a lot of writing in support of what I've written, which is means, uh, you know, magazine articles, newspaper articles, blog articles, caregiving and caregiving related subjects, which is another means of getting your name out there and getting recognized. I use social media quite, uh, quite extensively. Twitter is powerful tool. I think I'm up to about, you know, 27 or 2,800 followers by now. That took me 10 years to, to reach that number. But, you know, every one of those followers has a following themselves. And, uh, you know, so my name gets out. You know, public speaking would be another way to do it. Partnership opportunities uh, with like-minded businesses. Uh, you know, I've looked at, you know, consignment sales with, you know, senior and senior health related stores. Uh, so so a lot of opportunities are out there. You, I think you just have to be creative. Absolutely. What what a bunch of excellent and great tips. And of course, being on a teeny tiny little local podcast, certainly. <laughs> Doesn't hurt. <laughs> it, uh, it all helps. Believe me, it all helps. Right? I mean, we are on Spotify and all the major podcasts. <laughs> so you will get out there for sure. You might even have a bigger following is what we hope for. Glad to do it. What is an early experience where you learned that language has power? I have to think back on this one. I would say... I remember my dad used to really enjoy reading to to me and my sisters. Uh, you know, when we were younger, we would uh, primarily get read to just before bedtime, and that would you know help relax us and and get us get us off to bed. You know, dad shared you know a number of his favorite authors uh, with us. Uh, I mean, I met Dickens, I met uh, Tolkien, I met uh, C.S. Lewis, I met Lewis Carroll, uh, and so on. And through his you know through dad's interaction of uh, those authors, you know, I think it instilled a a respect and a value uh, and an interest in the written word for me. And and so I, I've hung on to that today. That's so awesome. And as someone who works in the library, I approve that message because... <laughs> <laughs> reading this it. message brought to you by yeah, right? <laughs> that's wonderful i'm so glad to hear that you had that um love for reading at such a young age definitely you can take a story or something that you've written previously rehash it and and present it as something new and it's it's fine i mean you know you, you know i look at it as well you know i've written 
one story about, say, looking after yourself as a caregiver for one market, but there are many, many other markets out there that that I could get, you know, I could present that same story to. And these are very different readers. So, you know, it's uh, it's a similar topic for me, but it's a brand new topic for somebody else. What is the funniest typo you've ever written? Oh, wow. Um the one that comes to mind, I, I've done this repeatedly for some odd reason, but I have routinely typed weeding as opposed to wedding. Those are two very, very different things. You know, it's uh, it's reason not to trust spell check. Both of those are two valid words, of course, but uh, they mean two different things. So, so uh, you know, for that reason, it's important to go through, uh, through your writing, you know, with a fine tooth comb yourself. And as I said, don't trust spell check. That's very good advice because um, someone who's been through university probably one too many times. It's just like, oh, oh, oh. did you want to give a shout out to a fellow author? Love to. I'd like to recognize Allison Newman, N-E-U-M-A-N. She's a fellow student from the professional writing program at Grant McEwen. We went through a number of classes together and, and got to know each other and, and are still friends today. She's turned out to be a terrific writer. She's got, since she graduated McEwen, she has now five books under her belt, Autobiography, a a detective story and three children's books, I believe is what it is. You know, in addition, she's a choreographer. She's a dancer. She wears a whole lot of hats. She's she's confined to a wheelchair, which is remarkable that she she gets everything done and she's she's an absolute firecracker with with continuing to to get herself out there and continuing to pursue her dreams so so yeah awesome if she ever wants to be on our podcast let us know we will gladly have everyone on here i will gladly share your name thank you yeah well that's such a special what a special author and friend how do you think being a writer has helped you as a person i'd say I've certainly built myself confidence as a writer. You know, I, you know, I've realized what is possible, realized what I can do and, and that things are achievable. You know, I think I've grown as a writer. You know, I've, I've become a better writer. I think over, over the years of doing it and continuing to do it, I think I've learned a lot about, about writing and about myself as in what, what is achievable and what I can do. Growing, learning, that's what comes to mind immediately. really think of that as a writer like that you're gonna become like more out there because I don't know you always have those stigmas of writers like they're just sitting on the computer all day (laughs) they don't get out but no it's not like that at all no I mean you can be that type of writer and there are certainly those kind of writers those closet writers out there with but I think if you want to achieve and be successful you truly have to get out there and be more proactive with your writing and with with promoting yourself self-promotion may sound cheesy but uh, you know you have to do it back when I I approached my publisher, one of the things they really wanted to see was an active author who could actively promote his or her work. You know, they're not going to do it all themselves. And, you know, I, like I said earlier is nobody can promote your own work better than yourself. So yeah, you have to, you have to get out there and you have to be your own best salesperson. I think that's excellent advice. Last question. You're doing amazing. <laughs> all right. Thank you. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> I'm just here to listen to your awesome, amazing answers. So do you have any writing buddies? Yeah, I do. Um, I, uh, you know, I was a member of a, a writer's support group, uh, a writer's group for some time, you know, back when I was more active with it, back when I uh, was first thinking of writing my first book. But I've kept in touch with these, uh, a lot of these members. They'll talk to them. They'll talk about what we're doing for projects and that type of thing. But, uh, you know, having having a writing buddy or having writing buddies is instrumental is, you know, to 
I think, a writer's success. You know, I give my writer's group a lot of credit for giving me the support, the inspiration, the motivation to write that first book. Talked about it a lot before it happened, and I don't think... You know, I'm not too sure, let's put it that way, if I ever would have done it without without their help and, and drive. Absolutely. Do all your writing buddies write like the same genres or are they kind of all very different from yours? They're all they're all quite different. I mean, uh, you know, one one woman I know, she she writes a lot of newspaper articles. There's another guy I know who's, a, who's more of a poet. Alice Newman, like I said, she'll do children's books where she's leaning towards more so now. Um, so they vary for sure. Well, thank you so much, Rick, for like I said, taking the time to be on our little show. It was my pleasure. My pleasure uh, completely. Okay, so we are about done for this episode. Goodbye, March, and we're going to be hopping into April. I love your <laughs> Please keep that up. April with, is packed again. With a wonderful, or oh should I say wonderful, episode all about Easter and in particular bunnies. So be sure to gather your chocolate. If you have a bunny, have them close by, but not too close because they might chew the wires and you lose your sound. Because they do like the spicy hay for our next episode in April. If you would like to be a special guest or have any questions, concerns, or have any great episode ideas, you can send them to us at sgplpodcast at yrl.ab.ca Well, that's goodbye from me, Simone. And goodbye from me. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.